Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 33 or 4 Sports Podcast. I'm Colby Aaron Bertram, joined alongside by Abigail Nielsen here, and a very special guest, Bradley Winterling, as we're going to be talking here about uh, our our second week of uh, NFL and NCAA week, uh, coverage um, with the Pick'em. We're going to have some questions in there as well. Um, but yeah, it's very, very exciting. Bradley, this is your first time here on the podcast. How you feeling? How you been? I'm feeling great. I'm doing pretty good. Thank you guys for having me on, and I'm excited to get to these picks. Absolutely excited to be able to talk about them. Uh, and honestly, I don't think we have anything to, to lead off. You know, we we uh, we we gave the parameters last week. Uh, we know the stakes. The only thing I can really lead off with is how we are currently looking in the pick'em uh, in the pick'em list right now, which I currently have a two-game advantage uh, after last week. Uh, with Abby getting Washington, uh, beating Jacksonville over me. And I had Kansas over West Virginia and Kentucky over Florida. Oh, wait, no, one more Miami over New England. But two game lead, pretty even. It's early days. It ain't that big of a deal. As I even, I think, prefaced in the last episode, pretty sure after I had a big lead, I kind of choked it away and almost lost the band. So anything can happen in anything. So with that out of the way, Let's go ahead here and start off in the NCAA with a Friday game, a game that actually I think has a lot of interest. Uh, you know, uh, really good prospects in Malik Cunningham is going to be uh, at home facing off against uh, Florida State, who are currently 2-0, uh, I believe, and are looking pretty good thus far. Maybe a little bit of research into that program. How are we looking at this game? I'll start us off with this one. Um, I have Florida State winning this game. Um, and I think a big reason that for me is Florida State is coming into this game 2-0. You know, they did have a very close game against LSU this week, but they came out with a win just by one, 24-23, but a win is a win. Um, and then you have Louisville coming in 1-1. One and one. and one of their losses was to Syracuse, and I know we'll talk about Syracuse in just a moment, who is looking much better right now. But it was a big loss. They lost 31 to 7. And it's hard for me to bet against Florida State with a team that recently lost to Syracuse 31 to 7. Um, that's really what it comes down to to me. Um, I just, if anything, it's just a gut feeling towards Florida State in this one. I think they're showing a lot of improvement from last year. So, yeah, I've got Florida State winning this game. I'm going to agree with you. I also have Florida State winning. Um, that game uh, where they beat LSU, that was a great game. Uh, they kind of, you know, almost lost, but they kind of had it in control. Uh, and Louisville has not looked as good as I thought they would. Uh, Malik Cunningham had a great year last year. Uh, I think he's came out a little slow. However, they did look good against UCF last year. I mean, last, excuse me, last week. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go, uh, go ahead and go with FSU. And I will cap us off with a third pick here of the Seminoles. Um, and honestly, even more than this, uh, more than the Syracuse game, though that is a big factor in this for me. I think the Florida State win away from home uh, against Louisiana is a very, very big win. I'm a fan of Jaden Daniels as a quarterback, pretty good for uh, Sun Devils, and certainly had a good game that past week, 25-34, uh, uh, 209 yards. 16 carries, 114 rushing. That's a dominant uh, performance there from the quarterback. 
and yet they were able to uh, come out with a victory even when the running game is struggling. So with a defense that has been struggling against uh, Syracuse um, early on and whatnot, and Florida State coming in with very positive momentum, got to stick with the Seminoles. But speaking of Syracuse, we are talking about another uh, Power 5 opponent matchup as Purdue will go into town to play the Syracuse Orange at home. Now, how are we going to be looking at this game? You know, I, I see your picks and I'm looking at yours. I'm going to start because I'm the odd one out here. I picked Purdue to win this game. Um, there is a little bit of bias there because I do really like Purdue. One of my best friends goes there. Um, so <laughs> I've always rooted for Purdue a little bit. But I think where it comes to me for this game is we look at the last games. And I know I talked about record a little bit with the last uh, pick that we made. And I'm actually going to go, I'm going to go back on that a little bit. You know, we do have Syracuse um, 2-0. But the teams that they've played are UConn. Um, so UConn is not really the best football school. We know that. And Louisville, who we're not totally sure where they are yet. But again, we'll see them play Florida State this week. But then we look at Purdue and, you know, last week they did win 56 to zero against a non-power five team. But then we look at their Penn State game who, and if I'm correct, is Penn State is ranked right now, correct? Are they 22nd? Uh, I believe they are 22nd. Yes, yes. Penn State is 22nd. Yep. Um, I watched that Purdue-Penn State game, and until the end, Purdue held their own. They did lose, but it wasn't a blowout loss. It was 35-31. to 31. Purdue looked strong in that game, and to me, if Purdue can look strong against a ranked opponent, we just haven't seen Syracuse play a top opponent yet, so we don't know how they're going to hold up. Now, we do look at the quarterbacks, and for both teams on the season, over 500 passing yards and Five touchdowns so I think this is going to be a very offensive game um but you know I'm going with Purdue in this one mainly because I feel like they have proven that they can hold their own against a top opponent and we just haven't seen Syracuse do that yet this year yeah so I do agree with you that it's going to be a high scoring game but I do think I'm going to lean towards Syracuse here um I do think Purdue did look solid against Penn State that was a very close game. It was a very entertaining game as well. Uh, I just think Sean Tucker might be too much for Purdue. Uh, he's looked really good in these two games so far, 48 carries, 212 yards. Uh, and I think he could have a big game. If he has a big game in Syracuse, can get the run game going. I think it could be tough for Purdue. However, I do think it's going to be a close game and very high scoring, like you said. Could see an overtime matchup here. We could. It is very, very possible. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and list a little bit of reasoning here for both sides on why I have the Syracuse Orange, uh, the split between Abby and I. Uh, first of all, uh, for uh, I, I don't know if, uh, uh, if either of you uh, watched ACC football or particularly watched um, uh, Virginia Tech this past season uh, when they were against Syracuse and whatnot, but when Syracuse came into town, Garrett Schrader was a pretty lackluster quarterback. He's a very, very mobile guy, not great arm, not great accuracy, uh, just ultimately not great. Um, last season, he finished with uh, 52.5% uh, completion, uh, just shy of 1,500 yards, uh, averaging 6.2 um, per attempt, uh, 6.2 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns and four interceptions. Now, 
You guys may not have his stats pulled up for this year, but he already has about a third of the passing yards in two games. He has just shy of 80% completion, and he already has five touchdowns. Uh, I, I believe they have a new quarterback coach in, and that dude is doing miracles here at Garrett Schrader. Garrett Schrader, something is clicking with him this season, his junior season. Like, he is clicking on the ball. He looks really good. I'm a big fan of Sean Tucker, but that's not even why I picked Syracuse here. I'm genuinely picking them because of Garrett Schrader. Garrett Schrader has looks great. Has he come up against not-so-great teams? Sure. But it's still dominant performances on the offensive side of the ball against, you know, decent enough uh, programs in Louisville and UConn. And my biggest thing for Purdue is if you're losing to Sean Clifford and you're letting Sean Clifford do well against you, what's to say that Garrett Schrader's not going to do well against you? I So many people talk about Sean Clifford and try to hype him up. I, I'm not a fan uh, of his play, to be completely honest. And the fact that they let Penn State come back and win uh, – with that last minute drive led by Clifford. I don't know when you have someone like him dominating against you. I find that crazy. I think Penn state's overranked. They beat Purdue and Ohio who cares. So I don't think that that performance is as impactful as Louisville. I would actually put Louisville and Penn state kind of around that same spot in all honesty. So that's why I'm going with the orange. I think Penn state's overrated whatnot. Now, we have a little bit of another interesting matchup. You and I were both wrong on this game this past week, Abby. BYU came out on top against Baylor, but now they're going to be taking a trip to Oregon. Will they be able to pull it off again? I think BYU does pull it off again. Um, We look at Oregon, and, well, we all know how their first game of the season went against Georgia. It did not end well. They lost 49-3. to Now, I think a lot of people did overreact to this, you know, Georgia did just win the national championship. So it's no surprise to me that Georgia beat Oregon. Now it was more of a beating than I expected, but I don't think any of us are surprised Georgia won that game and Oregon, you know, they came back last week. They beat Eastern Washington 70 to 14. But for me, this Oregon team has yet to prove themselves this year as a, I don't want to say a top contender because I don't think they are, um, but as a ranked team. Versus we look at BYU and, you know, their first game, they beat USF 50 to 21. Sure. But then they take on the number nine Baylor um, and they win double overtime, but they win 26 to 20. And where this happens for me is, yes, I know the game is at Oregon and I know that is a difficult place to play. Those Oregon fans are dedicated. I'm from Seattle and well, I, I might see more Oregon fans than Washington or Washington State fans. You know, those Oregon fans are ex- an extremely dedicated fan base. It's a hard state game to play in. But for me, it really comes down to BYU has proven that they can win against top teams. And at this point, we don't even know if Oregon is a top team. So I've got BYU winning this game. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Abby. I was kind of close to taking Oregon here. However, I just kind of thought about Bo Nix and the season he's been having, and it hasn't been great. Um, however, they did play, you know, Eastern Washington last week, 70 to 14, whatever. I mean, it's a terrible team. Uh, the Georgia game, that was a little embarrassing. Like you said, it could be a little overblown 
it's week one, you know. Um, BYU, though, like you said, they beat USF. And then the Baylor game, which is a game where I thought Baylor was going to win. I think a lot of other people thought Baylor was going to win. Uh, they go in there. They beat Baylor. Uh, that was a very good game. Unfortunately, I did not see the end of it, but I wish I did. It was a very good game. And I just think BYU is going to like sort of stay on this hot streak while Oregon might continue to go a little south. Yeah, Bo Nix has not had a great season. I mean, I believe on the year he's 49 for 70 and he's got yeah. five touchdowns, but with two interceptions. Not a high completion percentage. No, not at all. Yeah, it's, it's almost like kind of uh, how I feel about Auburn right now is kind of how I feel about um, Oregon, almost a teaser for a uh, game that we'll talk about. But yeah, Oregon have certainly kind of struggled out the gates. Uh, even at home, they're barely favored. I mean, think about it like this, right? You, you might see Oregon stats and be like, oh, okay, that's not too bad. Bo Nix, 70% completion, 450 yards, uh, five touchdowns. That's okay. That really all came in last week's matchup against, I had it in front of me, but I'll say it again, Eastern Washington. That all came in that game. As you said, Oregon got thrashed in the Chick-fil-A kickoff against Georgia. Um, it was not a good look. And then, okay, you beat Eastern Washington. Congrats. So now you're going to be staying at home to play BYU. And BYU is coming off of, a very strong win against Baylor. Uh, really impressive. They beat them in double overtime. And then having, I would say, a more impressive performance than smoking Eastern Washington when they smoked South Florida in South Florida. So BYU taking a trip to Oregon, I don't think is going to be too scary for them. Uh, they have had a really strong start to the season. They have proven that they can beat a top team like the Baylor Bears. So who's to think that they aren't going to beat Oregon and Oregon? But that will lead us to another matchup with a ranked team involved here. So we all agreed on BYU there. Uh, we'll see if we can all agree here again. We're going to have Penn State coming up against Auburn. These two teams faced off in Pennsylvania last year. They're now going to be facing off uh, in uh, at Auburn. So with that in mind, who are we looking at for this game? I've got Penn State winning this game. Um, I know you mentioned it a little bit just now with Oregon and Auburn but I just think Auburn hasn't proven themselves. I, they have not played any strong opponents yet. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they got San Jose and I believe their first game was against Mercer, if I remember that correctly. And they won both of those games. And then of course, Penn State is 2-0. And, you know, this is a game I'm excited for. It's a game I'm excited to see because I do feel like both teams could come out with the win here. But, you know, we look at Penn State and you look at, you know, Clifford, you look at Sean Clifford, their quarterback, and now his completion percentage is not great this season. He's 39 for 64, but he does have 495 yards on the season, five touchdowns, one interception, you know, and then you look at Auburn's quarterback. We've got TJ Finley, and he is not having a great season so far. He has 279 yards, one touchdown, but here's where he's been really struggling is he's got three interceptions on the season. And I think if Penn State can really go into this game and win that turnover battle, I think not just Penn State winning the turnover battle, but I think whoever wins the turnover battle in this game is who's going to come out with the win here. And I think Penn State is going to be the team to win the turnover battle because of Finley's interception issues. 
And that's why I think Penn State is going to come out with the win in this game. Yeah, once again, I'm going to agree with you, Abby, mainly just because of the fact that Auburn has played Mercer and San Jose State. Like, I think it's kind of hard to take a team against someone who, I mean, they've played Purdue and Ohio. Purdue's a lot better of a team than any team that Auburn has played. And they've won both of those games. I think it's, I just think it's too hard to take a team that's really unproven. Like you said, TJ Finley, one touchdown, three picks. Uh, I just think you kind of, you kind of trust Penn State more in this situation. And we will all agree here again. Uh, I honestly have the exact same concerns that you have, Abby. And what I'll add to that is this, rather than going over Finley again, I'll go over the fact that Bigsby, he has come out to an incredible start, 30, oh, just shy of 30 touches, just shy of 200 yards, three touchdowns. But I think Penn State is a very strong defensive program. That's kind of what they've uh, built themselves off of a lot recently, uh, you know, partly in face of the efforts of now for James Tech head coach Brent Fry to give him a little shout out there. But um ultimately, I don't think that Big Speed is going to be able to get the room in the running game that he's going to need. Um, and with that in mind, with the disappointing offense, and it's been disappointing against not great opponents, I think Penn State will come out with a win here pretty easily. I don't think Penn State really has a hard game until Michigan uh, in the middle of October. So their uh, uh, ranking is going to get very inflated fast so if we have to talk about that game i i would already be putting money down that michigan is going to win now will you all indulge me with a number 55.5 do you know what that number refers to no no i'm not sure that refers to the average points per game for the highest scoring team in FBS right now, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, KU. And KU is going to be taking a trip into Texas this week, uh, weekend to play against Houston. So with that in mind, does Kansas have a surprising three-game win streak to start off the season, possibly being ranked in the top 25? Or does Houston knock them off? Uh, and give them a loss that most people would expect to be handed to the Jayhawks in this situation. So for those who listened to the podcast last week, you would have heard me pick West Virginia over Kansas. And I was wrong. And, you know, going into this week, I just can't bet against Kansas this week. You know, you look at Kansas and, wow, they are having a strong start to the season. You know, maybe not strong by other teams standards but certainly strong by Kansas standards you know they started 2-0 and and Houston did not look good last week against Texas Tech um I mean although I know the game did go into double overtime um they did end up losing 33-30 to I'm not sure on this one and if anything it's just I think I'm a little scared to pick against Kansas after last week you know Kansas shocked us all well, they didn't shock you, but <laughs> they shocked us all with a win against West Virginia. And I just, I don't know. I, I really, you know, I want to give you stats. I want to give you player names, you know, as my reasoning for picking <laughs> Kansas here. And that's, not, you know, I'm not, not going to lie and be like, oh, look at, you know, great running game 
for me, my reason for picking Kansas is just truly a gut feeling and it doesn't get any deeper than that. That's all it is. It is just a gut feeling to pick Kansas. Yeah. So this game is very interesting. I feel like uh, Kansas has been bad for so long, Um, but they do come out and beat West Virginia last week. That was a great game. It surprised a lot of us. Uh, I think Kansas is actually going to have a decent season this year, a lot better than they've had in the past. But I think they kind of come back down to earth a little bit and they lose to Houston. Yes, Houston did look bad against Texas Tech last week. Um, I, d- I just don't see Kansas winning three in a row. If they did, I wouldn't be shocked. I just think uh, two in a row is kind of the ceiling for them at this point after you know what they've been through the past few years i think that's a fair analysis of the situation Bradley. i i i really really do um if if you are unaware i am uh, a kansas and kansas state fan i grew up on sports uh from those colleges uh, a lot of family ties there um i i do think your analysis is completely fair completely reasonable and in all honesty it shouldn't be too surprising if Houston beats Kansas this week. They're at home. Clayton Toon is a really solid quarterback. Not only, you know, his start this year hasn't been too shabby, uh, maybe a little bit better completion percentage, but outside of that, not dreadful. But, you know, you look at him last year, thirty over 3,500 yards, 8.4 uh, yards per attempt, uh, 30 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That's an impressive season. And on top of that, it's, you know, they, they also have a decent enough run game led by Brandon Campbell, the freshman. So, you know, it, it, it's not going to be surprising for the Jayhawks if they lose this game. But as this week has gone on, and on top of that, even prior to this week, there's a lot that has it in favor for Kansas for me. This is where I'm going to have a little bit more of an explanation here, obviously, because I'm the good team. Um, first of all, the fact that they're the leading scoring team in FBS means a lot, at least to me. Maybe maybe it doesn't mean as much to you guys. We're two weeks in. I get it. But that's incredible to me. The fact that this team, I, I don't care who their first opponent was, uh, what, Tennessee Tech or something? I Yeah, I, I don't care that it's Tennessee Tech. They put up 55 against West Virginia in Morgantown, a place where Virginia Tech could not win last year. You know, Abby and I having that little wager of who would do better in these two performances. And Kansas is off to a strong start. Um, Not only in that game, but in general. Jalen Daniels has been incredible to start this season. Now, sure, maybe incredible is a little bit of an overstatement. But for a Kansas quarterback, I think I'm allowed to say incredible here. With the fact that he's starting with over 70% completion, only one interception, four touchdowns, and 8.7 average yards per attempt. That's quite literally more than I think any of the quarterbacks that we've discussed their stats thus far, including Garrett Schrader. Um, and on top of that, Kansas has got a lot of people in the run game to thank from uh, Jalen Daniels himself to the leading man, Lawrence Boyd, Devin Neal. And on top of that, also getting a little bit of work from sophomore Daniel Hinshaw Jr. So, Kansas' offense is vibrant. They are in very positive momentum in what feels like a very good kind of culture, quote-unquote, that is being established by Lee Bold at Kansas. 
And speaking of Leopold, I think that's the biggest reason why they're going to win this game. I think this is a statement game. During a press conference this week, uh, some reporter, I don't even know who it is, uh, when, when Scott Frost got fired by Nebraska, um, was, uh, uh, you know, tweeted out so many names that Nebraska should have as candidates or have as candidates. It felt like it was spitballing and included names that I thought were kind of out of left field, including Lance Leopold. Granted, he has family ties there, but with what he's been doing with Bergen, it's a bit out of left field. And I think to be asked about that, comparatively to being asked about how strong this team's been going, is he's only been here for three years, it probably made him a little mad. At least I personally would be mad if you're talking about my linked success to somewhere else rather than talking about my success with my current program. So I think Leopold is going to have a fire lit under him. I think he's a really passionate coach. And I think he's going to want this win desperately. One, because he wants it for the players. But two, he's here at Kansas. That's the focus right now. So there's no outside distraction. There's, there's nothing to you know, be worried about right now. Everything is devoted into Kansas. And Houston's going to be that statement for that. If questions are asked about it after, I think that's going to kind of be his answer. This is the statement game. Kansas will be 3-0. And quite possibly they're going to be in the top 25, which will shock me. But, you know, 3-0 and uh, against uh, beating, you know, beating West Virginia away from home in Houston. I certainly think that warrants the top 25 pick. I, I feel weird saying that because it almost feels like I'm biased, but I'm genuinely not. I really like how this Kansas team is playing. Now, following that, we have honestly one of my favorite matchups of the week. Uh, not my matchup of the week, but one of my favorites most certainly. Uh, you've got Mississippi State and Will Rogers going into Louisiana to face off against Jaden Daniels and uh, Louisiana. Are they gonna, are, is Brian Kelly's side going to be coming out with a win at home, or is Mississippi State going to continue to roll? This was the hardest game for me to pick um, because I really was going back and forth. You know, Mississippi State looked strong in their last games they beat arizona they beat memphis lsu also looked strong in their last two games although losing to florida state it was very close it was a fun game to watch it was a good game you know you look at these two teams and well let's let's talk about the obvious for mississippi state let's talk about will rogers and his 763 yards in two games nine touchdowns and only two interceptions that wow that is impressive you know for me I'm looking at that and now I know he's had a lot more attempts but he's having a solid year and on LSU side right you have Jaden Daniels 35 for 45 solid completion percentage 346 yards five touchdowns you know both both quarterbacks have a solid touch solid amount of touchdowns already this year with five and nine you know, you look at the run game, that's been strong on both sides. And overall, I mean, I, I I ended up going with Mississippi State, and this was a really hard one for me. A big reason for that was Will Rogers um, and their wide receiver, Dylan Johnson. Or my bad, I'm sorry, not wide receiver, running back. Uh, running back Dylan Johnson, who's done well. Um, wide Their wide receiver with Thomas, he's done quite well. So... The, the big issue for me here was this game is in Death Valley. 
This game is in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That is arguably the hardest place to play in all of college football. And I, I really do think if LSU comes out and wins this game, it's because it's a home game. Um, I, I think either team could pull out with a win here. I think it could go to overtime. I think it could, could, be, could even go to double overtime, you know. This one was a really, really hard one for me to pick. And even though this game is in, you know, at LSU, one of the hardest places, if not the hardest, to play in college football, I'm going with Mississippi State here. Yeah, this game, once again, very interesting. I'm really excited for it. Uh, this is the battle of the quarterbacks. And I love when there's a college football game and both quarterbacks are just absolutely on fire. Uh, however, I love Jaden Daniels. So I'm going to be taking LSU. Jaden Daniels, ever since Arizona State, I mean, I've just been a huge fan of this guy. And yes, Will, Will Rogers and Jaden have both been amazing this year. Jaden Daniels has looked great. Completion percentage, 77.8, uh, 346 yards, five touchdowns, zero picks. He's looked great in both games. Will Rogers has looked great in both games. Their stats, besides yards, are almost identical as they, they both have the same average. Uh, so I'm going to take LSU. Like you said, it's at home in Death Valley, probably at least the top three hardest places to play in the country. I also think that Florida State loss is kind of still – LSU still kind of has that taste in their mouths. I think they're going to be really excited to go play this team. It's a big game, and I think they want to prove something. Well, I could certainly see that angle for LSU, uh, but for your liking, Jaden Daniels, that is why I'm taking Mississippi State. I do like Jaden Daniels, but I am a huge fan of Will Rogers. Will Rogers, uh, for people that listened to the podcast last year uh, when Dan and I were doing this, was kind of like, my adopted like favorite player in college football um at least one of them uh he's just such an impressive impressive young man uh i you know i kind of said he was like quote unquote the second coming of like dak prescott for them kind of like you know dak prescott was the big big name coming out recently will rogers the next guy i mean just look at him last year 74 percent completion 4700 yards just about seven yards per attempt 36 touchdowns nine interceptions the young man can sling that ball. And I am very optimistic that he's going to be able to do it again. Um, he is a really, really strong talent. And obviously, with that kickoff game for LSU, Travis was able to put up 260, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. I think Rodgers is a certainly better quarterback. I think Will Rodgers is someone whose draft stock is going to be rising immensely uh over this year possibly next year if he stays at mississippi state um and i think he is one of the names to watch out for when you come to the draft season in that quarterback spot at least around that top five so give me mississippi state give me will rogers he's going to be tearing people apart this year now the now texas tech uh were able to get an overtime win against houston uh pretty impressive there for them but now they're going to be going ahead and taking a trip a pretty hard game they're going to be up against the wolf pack which side's going to leave three and oh i think the wolf pack's leaving three and oh 
I'm high on NC State this year. We've talked about this. Um, they're one of the best teams in the ACC. I don't think they're the best, but we'll talk about that later. Um, or I should say in their side of the ACC. I don't think they're the best. But again, we'll talk about that later. Um, you look at their last games and wow, they struggled against East Carolina. I remember watching that game. And let's be honest, that's really not a game they should have won. Um, I think they were extremely lucky to come away with the win there, giving the missed kicks. Um, but then you look at their game last week and they beat Charleston 55 to three, I believe was the final score. Um, so a little bit of redemption there. I'm, but this NC state roster, it's so talented. And, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm correct, it is a home game for NC state. So, you know, that makes a difference and just, I, I'm really big on NC state this year, you know, and you look at, especially with the run game with NC state, they've had a strong run game, you know, quarterback with Leary, um, with Devin Leary. He's had a somewhat strong game this year so far. He's got five touchdowns and one interception. Um, um, I'm big on this NC State team. NC State team this year. I think they can do very well in the ACC. I think they could possibly stay ranked for the rest of the year. Um, Texas Tech, yes, they did come away with a win last week but that was in double overtime and they just didn't look that strong. You know, they had some errors and you look at Donovan Smith and he's got three interceptions on the season. You know, I talked about this with Penn state and Auburn about winning the turnover battle. And I think that's going to be a big key in this game too. But I think that turnover battle is going to be a very easy battle for NC state to win. And I think in part due to the interception issues that Texas Tech has been having, I think NC State wins this game. But if anything, I just think NC State has a significantly more talented roster and not even that, but it's a home game. So yeah, I've, I've got Wolfpack coming away with the win here. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I don't have much to say about this game. However, NC State, like you said, that team is so talented. I think they're a lot more talented than Texas Tech. That ECU game, I think, was sort of like a wake-up call for them. They come into the season ranked really high. Uh, you know, they, they're playing this team who's unranked, hasn't, you know, hasn't been this prestige college football program, and they kind of came out flat. They barely escaped with a win. I think that, is very, that was very good for them. They got very lucky. Um, but like I said, that was their wake-up call. And I think they're going to actually be able to play up to their talent level. And I think they're going to go in and they're going to beat Texas Tech this week. Yeah, I think ultimately NC State is the more talented side and they are at home uh, to a sold out crowd. It's certainly going to be very, very loud uh, there for the Wolfpack. And keeping it simple, that I think that's a big reason for their uh, winning. But on top of that, I do think that they have a lot of talent. One thing that isn't highlighted too much here is their receiving game. Devin Leary is very comfortable with through these first two games. They have eight receivers with over 40 with 40 plus receiving yards. I think that's pretty impressive personally that, that they have that deep of a well in talents that they are willing to go and kind of spread that ball around. So I don't know. I, I, I love the talent for NC State. I think they're great. I think 
they are going to be pushing for uh, an ACC championship this year. Whether they get it or not, we'll see. Uh, certainly the Wolfpack over uh, a not as great Texas Tech side. And yet again, we'll go with another ranked matchup. And it's going to be against a team that you may not be as fond about, Abby, as it's going to be uh, Michigan State taking a trip towards, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of home here as they're going to be taking on Washington. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a Washington State fan. My mom went there. You know, go Cougs, love Wazoo. But back to this game. Let's talk about Michigan State and Washington. And I think one big thing for both teams is neither team has had a statement win yet. You know, Michigan State beat Akron 52-0. to zero, And then Western Michigan 35-13. to 13. Uh, Washington beat Portland State 52 to 6 and Kent 45 to 20. So no real uh, opportunity to prove themselves yet. But I am not big on this Washington team this year. I saw them last year. I was at the Apple Cup last year when Washington when Washington State won for the first time in well, I was in elementary school the last time they won. So the first time in a very long time, seeing as I had graduated high school the next time they won. Um, I think it was eight or nine years or something like that. And I, I know we just talked about the most recent two games, but Michigan State ended their season last year with a win over Pitt. And then UW lost their last three games, one of which was against Colorado. You know, they did not have a strong end to the season. And I know it's a new year this year. And I think one big thing to talk about with uh, Michigan State is you look at Peyton Thorne. He has not had a great season so far. You know, he's 30 for 52. He's 445 yards, four touchdowns. But the big thing is he's got three interceptions. And four touchdowns to three interceptions is not a great ratio. Um, Whereas if you look on the Washington side, you have uh, Michael Penix Jr. And he's only got one interception. He's got six touchdowns, almost 700 yards. but what I want to talk about is the Michigan State run game in Jalen Berger. Um, he has been having an incredible season. He's only had 33 carries, and he's already at 227 yards, four touchdowns. And if you do the math on that, well, that's about 6.8 yards per carry. He is having a fantastic season. I think he is going to run all over this depleted Washington defense. I think Michigan State comes out with the win here and I know the game's at Washington and I can tell you from experience there's not a lot of home field advantage there um you know it's not I don't think it's going to be a super full stadium especially seeing as UW they're not that Rose Bowl team from a couple years ago you know so I just I don't see I really don't think there's any way Washington can come away with the win here and I feel pretty strong in saying that Michigan State is going to beat Washington, and I don't think it's going to be a super close game either. I think Michigan State is going to come away with a pretty big win in this one. Yeah, I feel very confident that Michigan State is going to come away with the win here. Uh, Washington has, the, you know, they're 2-0. They've played two not great teams. Uh, and then with Michigan State, you know, yeah, Peyton Thorne, not been great. But do they need him? They don't even really need him. Uh, you know, going into this season, I'm or after last season, you're kind of wondering, like, how is Michigan State going to do without Kenneth Walker? I mean, he was amazing last year. And then Jalen Berger comes along, 
like you said, 33 carries, 227 yards. He's almost at seven yards a carry. He's got four touchdowns. He had a 50-yard run. I just don't think they're going to be able to stop him at all. And if you have a running back that's this hot, especially in college football, you can win and you can win pretty easily. Well, I'm very, very happy, uh, Abby, that you kind of teed me off on uh, a little bit of a positive point for why I actually have uh, UW getting the win here. Now, first of all, before I say anything else, Dan, if you hear this, I'm sorry. I'm very, very sorry that I'm picking against your Trojans or Spartans. Spartans. I messed up again. I'm sorry they messed up the team. Hey, okay. You know what? My you fault. play the Trojans all the time, you know. <laughs> We're thinking Pac-12 here. My, my fault, Dan. My fault. But I'm going to say this. When your team is having to be led by Peyton Thorne, you are not in a great situation. And I think he would admit that too. Particularly, as you said, when he is his uh, touchdown interception ratio is not that great for playing two mediocre teams. Now, I'm a big fan of Berger. I think this is a relatively strong team. But here's where things get tricky for me. Because Washington, as you said, though two not great opponents, have started out pretty well this year. Um, and on top of that, I think this is going to be the by far best running back that Michigan State has come up against in uh, Wayne, and I'm hoping I'm saying this right, Tal Lapapa. Um, the senior from Hawaii has got off to a very hot start this season, uh, leading the run game, uh, averaging uh, over six and a half yards a carry, got a couple touchdowns. And on top of that, he hasn't broke for a long run like uh, Berger yet. So you know, his longest run is 28 yards. So I think that's pretty, pretty solid stats there uh, for the young Hawaiian. And I think that he's going to be able to definitely put some numbers up against Michigan State's defense. But more importantly, I think Michael Penix Jr. is going to be able to. He is the difference maker in this matchup for me. Now, first of all, it's because he played for Indiana for the past, like, what, three years, four years, somewhere around there. Um so he is very familiar with Michigan State. Um, but add to that, that Michael Penix is off to a great start here with a decent program uh, at Washington. Uh, 682 yards, six touchdowns, a single interception in just about 70% completion. Certainly doing better than what Peyton Thorne has been doing. And on top of that, I think you need to add the fact that Michigan State, uh, and, and Dan would admit this from last year, don't have that great of a secondary. They really don't. And the, the game that highlighted that last year, a game that really hurt him when they lost, was when they lost to the Boilermakers. The Boilermakers and David Bell destroyed them in the air because they didn't have the guys covering them. And I think Washington, though, maybe not talent similarly to that of David Bell. I really liked David Bell coming out of Purdue. They definitely have receiving talent, and they certainly have the arm and familiarity with Penix to be able to throw on this team. Add to the cherry on top to that, that though maybe it's not a home advantage uh, in Washington, that this is the third game in a row that Washington's played at home. I'm going to have to go with Washington to make themselves 3-0 and and knock off uh, Michigan State. With one last game, 
uh, of this week. Definitely, I think, all of our agreed game of the week, particularly for the slate that we have picked out here. Uh, Miami is going to be taking a trip down to Texas to play the Aggies. And are the Aggies going to be able to get redemption after App State? Well, you know what they say down in the in uh in Miami, it's all about the U. And I'm all about the U in this pick. I got Miami winning this game. I'm big on Miami. And we talked about this a bit in our season preview. I have Miami winning the whole ACC. I am big on Miami this year. And I think rightfully so. Look at their last games. They're coming away with two wins. Now, they did struggle a little bit last week against Southern Miss. You know, it was a slow start, only scoring 10 points in the first half while allowing seven. Um, but then in the second half, they scored 20 and allowed no points. Now, Southern Miss did cover the spread, which was uh, 27 and a half points. They only lost by 23. I still think Miami is a strong team. I think last week was a weird week, but they still won. A win's a win. You know, you look at Tyler Van Dyke. He's had a solid season so far. You know, he's got 33 for 45. Um, that's a solid completion percentage. You know, you look at Miami's wide receivers and you've got Keyshawn Smith, who's been good. You've got Michael Redding, who's been good. And they, they, I mean, they've got talent on their team. And I think a big question for me in this game is, you know, Miami has strong safeties. They've got a strong defensive line, but that's going to be Texas. I mean, Texas A&M has a very strong run game. You know, and that's going to test Miami. A&M has a physical offensive line. That's going to test Miami. You know, you have Jalen Knighton coming off an injury. Uh, so who is the Canes main running back at this point, right? But, you know, although that's a lot of questions for Miami, a lot of those questions are rising, like, for example, who's the main running back because they have so many good ones, right? Miami's got an extremely talented roster. Um, Cristobal has been doing well with them. I, you know, you look at AM and they just lost to App State. Now, App State is good. I think App State's, you know, a strong team this year. I don't think it's like they lost to a terrible team, but they still are coming off a loss against an unranked team. So, you know, I now that that could play into maybe AM is angry and they want want to come and win this week and this game is a home game for AM, but I'm really high on this Miami team this year I think they're just such an incredibly talented team and I think they come out with the win here it's all about the U so I am not all about the U I think that Texas A&M you know that game last week was really rough I mean losing that game to Appalachian State, you don't want that to happen. Miami hasn't played anyone at the same time. Uh, this Texas A&M recruiting class was absolutely insane. And I think that's kind of why they've had a slow start to this season. They have a bunch of young guys, although the, yes, they're super talented. They got a bunch of young guys, not much experience on the team. This game is at A&M. I think Jimbo really, really, really needs to win a game. And I think he's going to have his guys ready. I wouldn't be surprised if AM actually kind of wins big in this game, maybe 10 points, 14 points, 
So uh, I'm going with AM here to kind of get their season going, turning their season around, getting a win against Miami. My only issue with AM here, Bradley, which is why I'm going with the U, is what offense do they have? They, they really don't have an offense this season. Devin Kane, the leading running back, uh, 28 of 108, uh, 28 attempts, 108 yards, just barely four uh, yards per rush. Not bad, but when you're coming up against App State and Sam Houston, I'm expecting a little bit more. And on top of that, the issues that we had with Peyton Thorne, so right there at Heinous King as well. And Heinous King, uh, this is going to be his first year as the true starter for this side. Uh, you know, he's upped his completion percentage from what he had last year, certainly. Upped his yards as well. And his average yards, but three touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, it, it's not a great look to me. And App State is decent, but also realize that we can't be of an opinion of App State's a good program, but then, you know, college football's consensus is that, like, oh, UNC's bad. So one of two things needs to happen for college football consensus as a whole. Either, one, UNC is actually going to be decent this year and we need to stop lying to ourselves, uh, and I've, I've already thought that UNC's good. I've talked about it on here. But the or the other end is, is that App State isn't as good as what we thought they would be yet they still beat Texas A&M at home. So I'm not saying that it's either way, honestly. I think that they're both decent sides. Uh, you know, I would be leaning the UNC route. But as you kind of said, this is big for Cristobal as well. Um, add to that that Cristobal's offense has been moving um, with Parrish in the run game, uh, Xavier Restrepo uh, as the leading receiver and Tyler Van Dyke be off to a strong start here. My, my issue is, is though AM has been a team, uh, particularly under Jimbo Fisher, has really made an identity in the defense. Um, I don't know what the offense is going to be able to provide. And as someone who's watched Virginia Tech for the past few years, that's been a Virginia Tech issue for a while. It's your, your defense can only be as good as what your offense is able to provide you and vice versa. So if the offense isn't providing you any relief, then eventually that defense is just going to get broken down. So I'm going with Miami. Um, now it's going to make the next game for AM very desperate. And I do not think that they'll lose three home games in a row. If they do, Fisher is gone. Absolutely fired. Does not matter that he beat Bama last year. Um, but I have to go that AM is going to lose one more game in a row here. Uh, and it's just going to really show for Fisher moving forward that he really needs to get some guys recruiting on offense because they've been struggling. Now, I did say this is the last NCAA game for this week. However, Abby, you and I here, uh, and, and Bradley, if you also want to throw in something, do feel free. We are going to go ahead and talk about a game that's going to be next week because it's on a Thursday, and we don't quite know if we're going to have the episode out before then or not. So with that in mind, we do want to talk about one game for next week, which is Virginia Tech at home, third game at home in a row. They're going to be taking on the West Virginia Mountaineers. Are they going to beat the Mountaineers? So the only thing that makes this game a little bit hard to talk about is there is a game before them. You know, we've got uh, this weekend, of course, we have West Virginia, or I'm sorry, I was going to say West Virginia Tech there. Um, we have Virginia Tech taking on Wofford, and I believe West Virginia 
who are they playing this week? Is it? Uh, Allison. Okay. Yeah. So those are both games. I think West Virginia and Virginia Tech will win. So, but theoretically, assuming that this week goes how we think it will, I just think this West Virginia team is not as good as they have been in the past. And even last year, it was a very close game between uh, Virginia Tech and West Virginia. I mean, it came down to the very last play. It was a hard game to watch. It made me sad that one and that last play. But that game was in Morgantown. We're bringing it back to Blacksburg this year. We've got West Virginia coming into Lane Stadium on a Thursday night. I mean, I know it's a Thursday, but hey, it's still a night game, you know. And man, Lane Stadium was really going last week against Boston College. And, you know, I think especially against this West Virginia team, I mean, I'd call this a rivalry for sure. You know, I feel like tensions always get quite heated between these two teams. But overall, I think Virginia Tech has the most, the uh, more talented roster. I think, especially against Boston College, our defense looked incredible. Um, if I remember correctly, I mean, I don't think Boston College even got a first down until relatively later in the game. You know, Virginia Tech did very well. They started off the game with a great interception that led to a led to a touchdown. So, you know, West Virginia's 0-2, and I think coming into the game, they'll be 1-2. I think Virginia Tech will be 2-1. I just don't see West Virginia winning this game. I think it'll be close because, you know, when you do have two teams that know each other, uh, have played each other a lot recently, I think it'll be a close game, but I do think Virginia Tech comes out with a win this year. Yeah, I think Virginia Tech is going to win this game against West Virginia as well. I mean, Lane Stadium is going to be crazy at this game. I'm hoping to be there. It's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be close. I think Brent Pry is going to start getting on a streak here, get a, get a couple wins going. I got VT. Well, I will make that three for three here for the Hokies, and I will leave it at this. I would argue that this is the hardest defense that West Virginia has come up against yet. They're going to be coming up into a very fired up Blacksburg in a little bit of a, a neighboring state rivalry, in a sense. And on top of that, if we, you know, I, I you know, maybe maybe Yurkovic was a little bit overrated in my eyes, but I think if we were able to do what we did at Boston College and hold them to 10 points, who's to say that we aren't going to do that to uh, what a lot of analysts have said is one of the uh, lesser teams in the Big 12 this season, a team that I was saying was going to be one of the lesser teams in West Virginia. I think Virginia Tech comes out of this game with a dominant win, and it will be their third win in a row, third dominant win in a row. Uh, before I believe they go on the road to UNC following that. So certainly what Brent Price side will need. Now, before we get into the NFL, we do have a little bit of questions here that we uh, that I'd like to bring up before we talk about these games. So I'm going to go ahead and tee these off for us before we go ahead and get into the predictions. So first of that in mind is Dallas is going to be uh, now without Dak Prescott for I think a rumored six to eight weeks uh, after his injury against Tampa Bay. So I guess the question is for the Cowboys, what happens to its playoff chances? Do you still have the Cowboys in the playoffs after Dak Prescott is now going to be out for about a third to a half of the season? So this is an interesting question for me. And I, I think a big part of it is, is 
we really don't know how long Dak Prescott is going to be out because they did not put him on injured reserve, um, which I thought was a really interesting decision. So I'm trying to pull back up my preseason predictions. I, re- I know I did have the Cowboys winning the NFC East. And if anything, what's changing my mind on that right now is, I mean, we, we've talked for the past few years about the NFC, cons- the NFC East consistently being one of the worst divisions in football. I think we can all agree that title has been passed off to the AFC South. <laughs> um, I know you're a Colts fan. I apologize, but they did not look good. Back to Dallas, though. Every team in the NFC East won except for Dallas. You know, the Giants pulled out a shocker against Tennessee. Um, Commanders beat Jacksonville. And then Philadelphia pulled out a close one against the Lions. And I think the big question for Dallas is every week that they go without, and I'm not going to say without Dak Prescott, because I'm going to say without a healthy Dak Prescott, because I think that word healthy really matters here, because if he's playing injured, it's not going to be pretty. I think that every week that Dallas goes without a healthy Dak Prescott, their chances of making the playoffs diminishes, right? Because I think Dallas probably does have the most talented roster in the NFC East right now. It's just a matter of like, I mean, losing your quarterback, that's, that's the hardest position to lose in the NFL, depending on who your backup is. Right. You know, and we, we talk about the NFC East and, Oh, who's going to win in the NFC East? And I I think Philly could overtake Dallas here. I think the Giants could shock everybody as long as Saquon can stay healthy. The Giants actually looked solid last week, which shocked me. I, I think if Dak is out for three to four weeks, I think Dallas still makes the playoffs. Probably more likely as a wild card. I think the division is slowly getting out of grasp now. I think if Dak is out, until Thanksgiving, potentially, I think Dallas probably does not make the playoffs. I think, you know, there are some NFC teams that surprised us all. And some of the most surprising teams in the NFC were in the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys. So I I think this injury really where I stand here is the timeline is going to be the biggest factor in whether they make the playoffs or not. I'm not going to count out the playoffs, but Right now, for me, it's really hard to tell when we do not have a solid timeline. Yeah, so Abby, you and I were talking about this division before we went on air today, and it's really interesting. I actually, I mean, I actually had the Eagles winning this division preseason. With Dak's injury, it makes things really even more complicated for this team. Uh, They do have some winnable games, but will Cooper Rush be able to play at the level he played in that Vikings game last year? Or will he kind of come back down to earth and be a normal backup? I don't know. I mean, they get they get the Bengals this week, then the Giants, then the Commanders, then the Rams. Two divisional matchups. Yeah, divisional games. Uh, you know, I agree with you. There, I don't I mean, I don't think they're winning the division. The Eagles, I think, will probably end up running away with it, honestly. Um this is going to be tough for the Cowboys. Uh, I think losing Amari Cooper was something that Cowboys fans weren't really ready for. I think CeeDee Lamb might not be that wide receiver one that everyone thought he was going to be. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, so I also think Zeke, you know, Zeke's hasn't been 
you know, his prime is kind of over. He's still solid. Uh, I just don't think they have much firepower on offense. I love Micah Parsons. He's great. I think Trayvon Diggs is really underrated. Um, but this team, especially without Dak, it's going to be hard. However, the NFC is not good compared to the AFC. So I agree with you. I think, like, maybe Dak comes back. He's really hot. I could see them sneaking in as, like, a seven seed. But I think it's going to be really tough, and it's definitely going to require a late push. Yeah, uh, I believe, uh, you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm the only one that actually had the Eagles outright from the beginning winning the division. Um, I've been big on that team, uh, but I've always been big on Dallas as well. I thought that both these teams in the NFC East were going to be able to uh, do a little bit of something, something and be able to get in the playoffs. I had Philly as, like, I think I had him as three seed when I've been thinking about it. And I had Dallas as like a five seed. So the concern is this. When you're looking at that schedule coming up, it doesn't look like it's a bad schedule, right? Well, without Dak Prescott, those games go from games where Dallas would have had the uh, advantage uh, and or, you know, people would have basically bet money confidently that they would win to now – uh, it's really more in the other team's favor. And on top of that, I think there are some valid concerns about the offense as a whole. I would not be ready to give up on CeeDee Lamb. I think he's an incredibly talented receiver. Um, and this that was just his first game as wide receiver one. So I think you got to give him time. But uh, what, what I will say is, with how lackluster that offense was, they still don't have Tyron Smith. So their offensive line is a little bit shoddy. Ezekiel Elliott is just continuing to regress. He's not that great. Uh, Tony Pollard still isn't probably getting the touches that he needs, but even if he does, is he really going to succeed on this offense right now? With all that in mind, do you really think that Cooper Rush, of all people, is going to be able to pull this offense uh, up? No. No. I'm not high on Cooper Rush at all. Um and I think a absolute statement win for the Bengals, which might be taught a, a little bit of a hint towards something later, is just going to be very, very detrimental to this Dallas side. Their defense was really what kept them in it against Tampa. And when you don't have an offense to support it, you know, we talked about earlier, you don't have an offense to support it, the defense is just going to get worn down and it's just going to become easy for the other team. So I think this is just going to become a clockwork for a lot of teams to come up against them with a weak offense without Dak. Um, so on top of that as well, here's one actual big surprise was Seattle. Seattle uh, being able to get the win on Monday night. Uh, Abby, you were with that the whole way. We've talked about that multiple times. Um, but even though they won, it wasn't like it was a dominant win. It was very lackluster. Uh, Gina Smith threw for under 200 yards, I believe, uh, while Russell Wilson threw for 340. So the question is from this is, you know, they got the win against Russ and everything. That's great. But will Seattle be able to keep up winning success with as lackluster of an offense as they showed? I don't think they will. And, you know, I'm looking at my preseason prediction for the Seahawks. And since the schedule came out in May, I have been saying Seattle is going to beat Denver. Seattle's going to beat Denver. There's no way Denver can win this game. Called it. You know, I'm pretty proud of that one. Not going to lie. Um but I have them going four and 13 and 
I think a big thing for Seattle is, yeah, their defense looks good in this game. They just lost Jamal Adams for the season. He's out. He's done. So, you know, you just lose one of the big key players still on your offense, on your defense, and not just one of the big key players on your defense, but just the overall, the identity of your team. Seattle has lost their identity as a team over the past year. Um, not even just the past year, but more than that, you know, you all those years ago, you had the Legion of Boom. And now it's just what, I mean, you have Tyler Lockett. That's it. Like, there's just no, I feel like there's a, a big lack of um, just team identity here. And, you know, I think the Seahawks, I actually had them beating Atlanta in a couple of weeks, but Atlanta looks solid in their game against New Orleans, you know, and although in classic Atlanta Falcons fashion, they blew a lead in the fourth quarter. But, you know, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, looking through this schedule, I mean, they've got some hard teams on there. You know, they don't have an easy division. And I just, I can't see Seattle keeping up winning because I talked about the reason. I think there's going to be a lot of overreaction this week because they beat Denver. But I think the reason they beat Denver is, A, multiple goal line stops and forced fumbles, but B, I talked about this. I One, I don't think Russell Wilson is everything people think he is, but you look at Tom Brady's first game with the Buccaneers, they got killed by the New Orleans Saints, but they went on to win the Super Bowl that year, right? Do I think Denver's going to go win the Super Bowl now? I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, actually. But um, you, you come in and you play a team with a quarterback who it's their first time on this new team but not, it's not any quarterback. It's your franchise quarterback for the past 10 years. So you know him better than anybody and you know how to stop him. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of people overreacting to the Seahawks here. And I've said this since May, the Seahawks are winning that game against Denver. Only one, only in week one. I think any other week they would have lost this game. I think just because it's week one is the only reason they won. I think the Seattle team got worse without Jamal Adams now. I think they're going to lose to the 49ers next week, and I think all the hype around the Seahawks is going to die. Yeah, this this was the Seahawks Super Bowl this year. Like, this was the game that they had circled on their calendar when the schedule came out in May. Like, if they were going to go 1-16, this is the game they wanted to win. I do agree. I think the Broncos were a little overrated coming into this season. I think people kind of overreacted to just getting Russell Wilson when this team wasn't all the way there. Uh, the Seahawks don't have a great O-line. I mean, Charles Cross looked solid at the beginning of the game. He kind of fell apart at the end, their left tackle. Uh, and like this, this uh, for anyone who thinks that Seattle might have a shot at the playoffs or whatever, you know, I feel like this would be that classic week one overreaction. There's so many things that go on in week one that like maybe week 10, you feel like you have no idea how that happened. Um, I also don't think Geno Smith is going to keep this play up. And like you said, Abby, Pete Carroll knows Russell Wilson so well. I mean, he's been around him for like a decade. They knew exactly what he was going to do the whole game. They know what he's good at, what he's not good at. I see the Seahawks winning maybe three to five games this year. Uh, I just think there's no way that they really uh, continue on this path of winning. 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I like the uh, th- thoughts and whatnot that Pete Carroll knows Russ and whatnot, but ultimately, I think of it like this. Uh, this is a lot more of an issue on Hackett than it was on Russ overall. Russ actually had a pretty decent game. Uh, Judy had a good game. Um, the running backs both fumbled, including Javante Williams fumbling in the red zone, which would have won them the game. So that kind of hurts. Um, but ultimately, there was a lot of play calling mistakes by a rookie head coach. And I don't think that those are going to continue to persist. Seattle was able to catch them off with a very uh, confident veteran head coach in Pete Carroll. And if Geno Smith keeps throwing for under 200, you're not going to be going anywhere because, you know, it was working with the Saints when Winston was healthy until he got, you know, banged up for the whole season uh, for on a season ending injury last year. But there's a difference between having this bland and really just not good Seattle defense and having a relatively consistent defense, top 10, top five defensive over the past decade in New Orleans. So it's not going to be able to keep up for Seattle whatsoever. They're in a hard division. Uh, you, you mentioned that they have some hard games coming up, and ultimately they're not going to be able to hold out their opponents. Uh, one last uh, big thing here uh, before we get into uh, one last little – actually, there's another overview. But uh, oh, another focus in here, rather than a team we're going to be looking on the division, uh, you, you know, my division caught some strays earlier from you, Abby, but it is kind of warranted uh, and fair. I particularly put this question up for a reason. It is uh, the question that is the AFC South as bad as it looks? I think they're as bad as they look. None of those teams looked good last week at all. I mean, wow. Yeah, it was bad. You know, you have. Well, Indianapolis doesn't win in week one, so I feel like we can't judge them yet. And, well, we'll talk August, about it later. But... <laughs> the, hey, they tied. They didn't lose. Yeah. They tied. Um, you know, you have Indy and Houston who tied each other at the end of overtime. And just both teams just – I they just didn't look that great. Now, I do think the Colts are going to start looking better in weeks three and four and so on but I think they lose in weeks one and two just because they don't win in week one and they don't win in Jacksonville. I think those two reasons, but you know, I, I do still think the Colts probably come out with the win in this division. Tennessee did not look good. Um, Derek Henry was getting kind of thrown around. He didn't look super strong right off the bat, which was surprising because I was expecting Derek Henry to run all over the giants and the giants came out and won that game, which was shocking to me because a lot of people had Tennessee making the playoffs, winning the AFC South and the giants as one of the worst teams in the NFC. So, you know, that was a surprise. Then of course, Jacksonville is Jacksonville. You know, they had the number one pick two years in a row. This is not a strong team. Now they looked better, but they are by no means a playoff team. Right. And I just think if you look at the AFC South and you look at all the other teams in the AFC they're not a good division. I think obviously they have a playoff team because they have to, but I think that number four seed gets killed by the number five seed, you know, in the playoffs in that first game. 
So I just, I, I really don't think the AFC South is that good. I think if anything, the Colts, maybe the Titans are the bright spot in that division. But I mean, these teams, they just, they didn't look like they wanted to be there in week one. None of them played with a lot of power. You know, there was a lot of weird mistakes. They looked kind of out of it. It, it was a weird – they were some weird teams to watch this week, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry, but this division looked really, really bad. Um, the Colts tying with the Texans – I mean, I think a lot of Colts fans were hopeful for maybe like an 11-win season. I don't know how much better Matt Ryan is than Carson Wentz. I mean, if you look at it, there's there's Matt Ryan has a lot less mistakes but the ceiling might be similar I think Jonathan Taylor is going to carry them to maybe an eight win season uh but I just I just don't think the Colts really have the the elite quarterback that you need uh Titans same thing basically Ryan Tannehill I've never really thought he was great uh also Derrick Henry didn't look great in the uh end of towards last year and also uh you know week one didn't look great he had about two or three yards per carry I think and I don't blame him I think running backs take such a beating that they get to a certain point they're just not as good anymore we've seen it with Zeke pretty early in his career um then going to the Jags I mean they're in a rebuild still yes Trevor Lawrence is in his second year it's Doug Peterson's first year I think they have a long way to go. They have some promising players. Christian Kirk, Josh Allen, the pass rusher, not the quarterback, is has been solid. Um, they got two great running backs, Etienne and Robinson. I think they could be good maybe in a year or two, not this year. Texans are even farther down in the rebuild than the Jaguars were. Uh, Davis Mills actually might be their quarterback of the future. We don't know yet. I don't think Lovey Smith is the coach of the future. Uh, they've kind of been bouncing around with coaches in sort of a weird way recently with David Coley and then Lovey Smith. Uh, and this AFC South division, as a Ravens fan, makes me very frustrated because this, this AFC is so insane. And one of these four teams is going to get a home playoff game while someone else is probably not going to make the playoffs at like 10 and 7. Well, I will be a little bit of the optimist here. I'm not going to say that this division is great by any means. I, I came into this knowing, uh, came into the season knowing that was the worst division in the AFC, the AFC, and I thought there were NFC divisions comparable to it as well. I will say that. However, I do think there's a little bit of things that I disagree with in some of these statements. What I will say is this. The most embarrassing performance from the AFC South this week was the Titans. No question asked. Absolutely agree with that. And super embarrassing. You know, you, you, you can say whatever you want, but I believe it was like there's a good percentage of Brian Tannehill's passes that were dropped by receivers, which is just not acceptable. You had, uh, what is it? Kyle Phillips. Kyle Phillips is your leading receiver. A uh, young man out of UCLA. I think he was just drafted. Okay, cool. It should have been Robert Woods. Should have been Traylon Burks, particularly against a Giants team that's 
first game on the dabble. But sure, okay, uh, rely on Phillips. But more importantly than that, the Titans were up 13 to nothing at the half. It was their game to lose. And then the Giants just absolutely steamrolled back in. Two touchdowns in pretty quick succession at the early stages of the third quarter. And then after a little bit of contention, they got that last touchdown and the field goal to go in the fourth to get the win. And Daniel Jones was very, very weak. It was really Saquon Barkley in which he looked like Saquon Barkley that we all thought was going to be the best running back in the NFL. So, you know, you, you, but my, my whole issue is, is for a team that was one of the best run defenses last year, you cannot let that happen to you, let alone letting a team with, led by Daniel Jones beat you. On top of that, losing your home opener to a rookie head coach. That is an embarrassing loss, and I have a lot of questions now for Tennessee. I don't care that it's week one. A lot of surprising things happened week one. That is something that should not have happened. But to look at the other games, I don't think it's as bad as people point out. First of all, with the Jaguars, the Jaguars were in contention with the game the whole time. I picked them to win in the picks. I got it wrong. But ultimately, they were in it the whole time, and they just weren't able to hold on. Washington came uh, came back, got a couple touchdowns in that fourth quarter, um, putting up 14 points, and Jags only put up uh, – it's not seven. I'm doing my math wrong. Ten. They only put up ten points in the fourth quarter. But they were competing the whole time. Really, the issue for the Jags was Trevor Lawrence missing some passes he shouldn't have. But the run game was great for them. James Robinson uh, looked fresh as well, similarly to that of Saquon Barkley after coming off his Achilles tear. Um, Travis Etienne wasn't great, but, you know, for a first game in, you know, four rushes, 47 yards, that's pretty good. Uh, didn't get as involved in the pass game as you would have expected, but it's fine. But on top of that, the receivers, when they got receptions, did well. Christian Kirk honestly had a really good game. Six receptions, 117 yards. That's pretty respectable for game one as the number one receiver. Uh, Zay Jones also putting up six, six receptions for 65 yards. It feels like that's going to be your one-two punch in the receiving core going forward. Um, so ultimately for coming up against a team at their own home stadium uh, to only lose by a drive, I don't think that that's that bad, um, whether it's Washington or not. And then for the Colts, uh, you've already pointed out, the Colts have not won a week one since 2013. And I was optimistic and I thought that they would win. They didn't. They ultimately came out with a tie, but we should have won. Rodrigo Blankenship choked on multiple picks. And on top of that, we also had receivers dropping touchdown receptions, including that of the rookie Alec Pierce, which he's a rookie, so all's forgiven, but you got to be able to bring some, uh, some of those receptions in. If we had T.Y. Hilton, we'd win that game. If we have one receiver that's a veteran that's relatively decent, we win that game. That, that's it. End of story. Indianapolis wasn't completely horrible, but they were down 20 to six going into that fourth quarter. So I can't say that they were necessarily good. There's definitely struggles. But on top of that, Davis Mills put together a really good performance. Uh, 23, 37, 240 yards, two touchdowns. That's not that bad. Um, and ultimately for, uh, for teams that either have been trading 
uh, home wins, uh, or Indianapolis has got two wins over Houston, not a bad start for the Texans. So ultimately, I think a little bit of uh, you know hurting hurting uh, in the, the kind of the own division uh, there isn't too big of a deal. Um, and I think that Indianapolis uh, now without Rodrigo will hopefully have a kicker that's going to be a little bit more consistent. Uh, and we'll be looking against Jacksonville to kind of get redemption against the secondary that did not do that well. And I said that the secondary is the by far worst aspect of the team. So, you know, hopefully Alec Pierce can do something this week. Uh, and Michael Pittman will hopefully uh, go off. It'd be also really nice for my fantasy teams. He did go off last week, though, to be fair, top five receiver. Um, but I don't think it's as bad as it's kind of made out to be, as kind of you guys are feeling. But that doesn't mean that it's good. It is still bad division, certainly the worst in the AFC. Um, and with that, there's one last question that I have here before we go into our predictions. Um, and I want to ask if there is any week one performance, uh, you don't have to delve into too much detail if you don't want to, but any week one performance that added a team to your playoff list, whether they're in or they're now in contention and they weren't in contention. For me, it's the AFC. Um, I'm going to just tell you guys real quick what my preseason predictions were. It was Bills, Bengals, Chargers, Colts as the division winners, Ravens, Chiefs, Raiders as the wild card. Um, couple swaps I would have there, swapping Ravens and Bengals. Still have both in the playoffs with Ravens winning the division as and Bengals as the wild card instead. Um, where I think for me it gets interesting is I think that kind of seventh seed is a true toss-up. I had Patriots at eighth, Titans at ninth, Broncos at 10th, Steelers at 11th, and Dolphins at 12th. Where I'm switching things around here is I am completely swapping the Titans and the Broncos with the Steelers and the Dolphins. I am putting the Steelers at the ninth team in the AFC and the Dolphins at the uh, 10th. And that's honestly interchangeable, to be completely honest. And then the Titans and Broncos below them. Here's my thing with the Patriots is I didn't have them making the playoffs to begin with, and I still have them as the eighth seed simply because I feel like they are currently a hard team to judge because yeah, they played terrible against Miami, but they always play terrible against Miami. So I feel like their game against Pittsburgh this week is going to be a lot more telling to where this Patriots team is at than week one, just because, I mean, they never play good against Miami. So it's a hard game to judge off of when they always play bad against that team. If they play bad against the Steelers, I'll drop the Patriots lower. I'm just waiting until I see them compete against a team that is not Miami. Um, as for the NFC, the only switch I'm really making here, excluding the Cowboys because of injuries, you know, NFC East, I feel like is up for grabs. Um, I am going to switch the Vikings and the Packers. I had them at the three seed and the five seed, but I'm going to put the Vikings as winning the division. I was high on the Vikings this year, but wow, they looked great in week one. Justin Jefferson, wow, I am happy he's on my fantasy team, that's for sure. You know, Kirk Cousins looked good. Dalvin Cooks looked all right. But the Vikings defense looked really solid against Green Bay. I mean, wow, this Vikings team looks good. And I know it's probably a week one overreaction. That's fine. But I think Minnesota could actually pull off a win in that division this year. There's just so much green Bay is so, their defense looked terrible this week. 
it's not that Justin Jefferson had a great game. I mean, he was wide open. There was nobody near him on so many of those plays. And how do you leave Justin Jefferson wide open like that? You know, you know, Green Bay, their hard spots, their defense, then obviously their wide receivers. Not really sure what's going on there. I don't think anybody knows what's going on with Green Bay's wide receivers right now. It's just a big mix of who's wide receiver one. And I still have the Packers making the playoffs, but I am switching to right now. I think the Vikings could pull out a win in that division. Um, I do have the Giants and the Lions moving up a little bit in my standings, not into a playoff spot, but into a upward uphill battle towards the seventh seed. I think the Giants looked a lot better. Um, Panthers, I'm moving quite a bit lower than I had them. And Falcons and Bears, I'm moving up a little bit just because the Falcons and the Bears look solid, not moving them into a playoff spot. But I think there were quite a few teams in week one that surprised us with wins. So overall, though, I'd have to say the three teams that surprised me the most, the Steelers, I'm going to say the Dolphins because they did look better than I thought they would. Uh, and the Falcons, those were the three teams that surprised me the most. Oh, and the Giants, four teams. Wouldn't move any of them into the playoffs right now, but they all looked solid. Yeah, so I'm just going to talk about one team here. As a Ravens fan, this hurts, obviously. Um, but, like, I think everyone that's a football fan, like, we doubt the Steelers every single year and Mike Tomlin every single year just somehow gets a winning record and like we shouldn't be surprised by the Bengals game but like I am and it's just crazy like no matter who they have on that team Mike Tomlin is going to get them into the playoffs I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be surprised if they miss it by a little bit just because of how good the AFC is but I could see them sneaking into that seven seed and um, guys, with that said, I do have to get going here. I have a class coming up soon. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I'd love to be back next week. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure to have you on. I was uh, going to let you uh, list off your teams uh, for the NFL picks, but I will do that for you. I know you have to get somewhere here. Uh, Bradley, of course, it has been a pleasure, and I'm excited to have you back on when you're back on. All right. Thanks, guys. Of course. So, with that in mind, uh, I will go ahead and give some surprise performances real quick. Uh, what I will say is I think I said that I'd have Detroit near playoffs, if not in. I think I would lock them into the playoffs now. You may be surprised by saying that because they they are uh, they don't have a win yet. However, they almost came back against Philadelphia in that fourth quarter. I think that's pretty impressive against a pretty solid Philadelphia team. And on top of that, I just think that the Lions are a very strong side. That shows how strong they are. Uh, DeAndre Swift looks incredible. Jamal Williams got good touches behind him. Uh, and Jared Goff wasn't that bad. So uh, Lions, I'd be willing to lock into a playoff spot, particularly as Dallas is going to be struggling now for a little bit. Um, but then when you're looking at the AFC side of things, I think it's just more certain that Tennessee is not going to be in the playoffs now. Um, maybe it's an overreaction for week one, but again, I think that that's an embarrassing result. It's one that should not happen week one whatsoever at your own home stadium. So 
that leaves me with a lot more questions than answers. I'm not big on this team at all. And that completely has derailed any momentum that they would have had for me. Um, and otherwise, I don't know. I mean, I guess Miami would boost up there a little bit higher for me. Um, I expected them to beat New England, but to, to beat them as comfortably as they did was a bit shocking, to be honest. Um, but yeah. With that being said, though, we have few NFL games here to discuss. Let's go ahead and get, pound these out. I will, of course, list Bradley's pick, but let's go ahead here and start with uh, two teams that we talked about. Uh, actually, I don't remember if we talked about Detroit last week. Doesn't matter. Washington, Detroit, taking a trip to Michigan. Uh, who's going to be pulling out this way? I think the Lions come out with the win here. I think the Lions, although losing in week one, they their offense looked really strong against Philadelphia. Um, they had a couple different running backs score. You know, they had Monroe St. Brown got a touchdown. His brother also did at the same time uh, for Chicago. Um, Jared Goff actually didn't look bad. But, you know, the defense didn't look great against Philly. So I, I do think, though, I mean, I like this Detroit team. You want to root for this Detroit team, you know? And I think just after last week, they looked good. They didn't look great, but they looked good. And the commanders looked good too. But I just think, you know, they did have a couple issues with turnovers. The commanders did. And I think with Carson Wentz, you know, and Jared Goff, I do think Jared Goff is the better quarterback there. Not by much, but I do think he's the better quarterback. I think the Lions just have overall more talent on their team. You know, there is definitely some talented players on the commanders but they're a little injury riddled right now, you know, and I think the issue with the lions is they have these games where they're down and they almost make the comeback, but they don't. And I really, I hate that for them because it sucks when you see them towards the end of a game, start doing so well. And then all of a sudden it just turns off, you know, and they can't win the game. But I think that changes this week. I think they start strong against this Washington team. I think it's a relatively close game, um, but I do think Detroit comes out with the win here. And Dan Campbell has us all running through a wall here for him because we all take Detroit this week. Uh, pretty simply put, uh, I've already said that Jacksonville honestly probably should have won that game against Washington. I think Washington kind of escaped that with a win. Uh, people have been praising Wentz on my timeline when I don't think this really warranted. He was okay, but is okay really the same? I mean, actually, you know what? I'm going to rescind that statement. He's okay is kind of the standard for Washington right now because they've had to deal with Taylor Heineke. Uh, so yeah, they, they. I think they're. I think they're okay with okay at best uh, being standard for their quarterback spot right now. But taking that trip, trip to Detroit, second game in a row in Detroit, uh, the Dan Campbell's going to want to pull out a win there for the home fans. And on top of that, uh, you know, Jacksonville looks good on the ground and Detroit is a team that's probably, hopefully going to be basing a lot of its offense on the ground. So I am all in favor of Detroit pulling out this game with a win. Uh, add to that, that I think Detroit probably has a little bit better of a defense than Jacksonville or yeah, yeah than Jacksonville. So I think this could be a little bit harder for Washington to move. Also not having the home crowd will certainly not benefit. So next up, 
uh, Jacksonville comes back home uh, after losing against Washington uh, to take on the Indianapolis Colts, who tied and are now on their second road game to start this season. So how's this game going to be turned out for uh, my Colts? Yeah, I mentioned this earlier. In any scenario, almost any scenario, I would pick the Colts to win this game. But there is one big factor why I am picking, picking Jacksonville. The game's in Jacksonville. And the Colts, they struggle in Jacksonville. I mean, we have last year, and, you know, I'm sorry to bring this up, but they needed to beat the Jaguars to make the playoffs. The Jaguars were the worst team in the NFL. That is not a hard feat, and they couldn't do it. They lost. And that was the most important game of their season at that point, right? The year before, week one, and we've talked about the Colts not winning in week one, so I'm not sure which which curse we can attribute this to, maybe both, but they also lost to Jacksonville, and they were Jacksonville's only win that season was Indianapolis at home. So, and even in previous years too, you look at how Indianapolis plays in Jacksonville, and I mean, it's almost like a curse. It seems like just they can't win in Jacksonville. And, you know, we could talk statistics. We could talk talent on the team. Obviously, the Colts are the better team here in my mind. And I think if this game was in Indianapolis, the Colts would absolutely win this game, right? But for the sole reason that this game is in Jacksonville and the Colts just cannot seem to pull out a win in Jacksonville, I'm going with the Jaguars. Please, God, I need this. I, I, I don't want this. This isn't a, you know, uh, oh, I'll, I'll be fine. No, I need this Indianapolis win. Please. You're not wrong about any of this, Abby. I looked it up. And it's the optimist in me picking Indianapolis. But Indianapolis has not won a game in Jacksonville since 2014. So that's seven games, I believe, that they have now lost from 2015. 20, well, actually, that might be 16, 2015, 2021. I digress. They're on a pretty bad losing streak in Jacksonville. I will admit that. But what I will say is, is that the last game against Jacksonville, we lost by 15 when we had an egregious amount of turnovers and horrible play by Carson Wentz. We really should not have been in that game. Um, and then in 2020, we lost to them. Uh, I think that was just a bad game, if I remember right. Uh, so the last two losses, I don't think... It was think also week one in 2020. It was week one. That is also a really good point. So I do think, you know, that's going to be a little bit harder. And sure... Jacksonville's going to be coming into this game one to get the win at home and they should have the confidence to do it because they've been really good against Indianapolis and Jacksonville. But I have Indy breaking the curse here because I am not confident in Trevor Lawrence and comparatively the Washington secondary, Indianapolis has a better secondary, let alone a better defense. So they're going to be coming up against a fired up Indy. Matt Ryan's really going to want that win. Um, I disagree with the statement made earlier. I think Matt Ryan is certainly an upgrade on Carson Wentz, at least consistency purpose-wise. Um, and I think that with Ryan being able to give us consi- a, a consistent passing game, hopefully, and Jonathan Taylor should 
be able to torch the seam on the ground. And Michael Pittman, I would not be even surprised if he gets 200 yards this game. Like I would genuinely bet Michael Pittman uh, for like anyone this week who bets, I would bet Michael Pittman every single time because he's going to have to have a great week. Um, but yeah, I, I put it down as, as this on the graph and this is how I feel about this game. Please God, I needed me to win. Um, and then Bradley also took Jacksonville. So I am solo riding Indy, maybe to my own detriment. I need this, man. I need it. Next game, honestly, probably the best one of the week uh, is going to be a really, really fun matchup. The AFC is going to be the Miami Dolphins coming up against the Baltimore Ravens. I've got the Ravens winning this game. I mean, the Ravens looked great in week one. Now, given they were playing the New York Jets, they looked great. And I think Miami, now, am I going to say that Miami is better than I originally predicted them to be? Yes. You know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, well, they're only looking good because they played New England. Like, no, Miami looks better than I expected. Um, however, Miami always looks good against New England. We know this. The Patriots just can't play good football against the Miami Dolphins. And the Miami Dolphins love to play their best football against the Patriots. So I think there's going to be quite a few overreactions with Miami and New England, but especially with Miami in week one. Um, I, I do think they're a solid team. I don't think they're a great team. But you know who I do think is a great team is that Baltimore Ravens team. You know, they're getting healthy again. Lamar Jackson looks good um you know hopefully they get jk dobbins back for this week we'll see i'm not sure what his status is right now um you know obviously they have mark andrews they have rashad bateman who looks pretty strong week one um devin duvernay looked very strong in week one he had two touchdowns so i just really think this baltimore team is going to beat miami I don't really see any way Miami wins this game, to be honest. I think it's a good game. But again, Miami plays their best football against the Patriots. Miami also struggles a lot in the beginning of every season. So I think this could be a struggle game for Miami. Yeah, uh, Miami certainly struggled against Baltimore in the past. What I will say is I'm, I'm surprised that all three of us picked Baltimore for this because Miami did look good this past week. So did Baltimore. Uh, I think this is certainly going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a fun game. Um, I do think coming up against a significantly better secondary uh, than New England's, uh, or Miami coming up against a significantly better secondary than New England's uh, in Baltimore will certainly be a test. Uh, but I think Miami will be able to stick in it really well. Um, I don't know what the spread is, but honestly, I'd probably uh, bet Miami in the spread. Uh, I, I, but I think all of us going Baltimore here is kind of justified, strong D good offense. Uh, and I think when Lamar Jackson is going to probably be asked to do a little bit more this week, he's going to say, okay, I bet, uh, cause he's really going to be playing for his contract for this season. And I think he will get that contract, but yeah, no ill will against him and the team. And I think he's going to be having a very exciting and vibrant season. Now, with that, two teams that lost uh, now coming into this. And this one I don't think is going to be a surprise where we are leaning here. Cincinnati taking the trip down to Texas to face the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I don't have much to say about this game. Um, 
Cincinnati is going to win. There's no Dak Prescott. That that's really all I have to say. Dallas didn't. I mean, even with Dak Prescott, Dallas looked terrible against Tampa. Yeah, Cincy Joe Burrow looked bad, but you know I think that's a one-off for him. I think that was a weird game for Cincy last week, especially against a division rival. Cincy and Pittsburgh always have good games against each other. You know, I mean Cincinnati's going to pull out the win here, and if they don't, Cincinnati has a losing season. I think. You know, there is absolutely no reason that Dallas should win this game. Cincinnati should win this game 100%. If they don't win this game, Zach Taylor needs to be fired. Agreed. I, I do not care that he made the Super Bowl with this team last year. That is a fireable offense. This is something where I'd be bold enough to say that I don't even know if Dallas is going to put up a single point this week. Um, Honestly, I agree. Like, I, I am not a fan of Cooper Rush. I'm just not. And on top of that, Ezekiel Elliott, I just, after last week, I have my opinion on him is just getting, you know, more and more pessimistic. So I think since he's going to win, I think since he's going to roll Dallas, Joe Burrow looks like he was not happy at all with how he performed in that game. Apparently he sat like in front of his locker for an hour, like motionless outside of having to stand up and talk with the media. like. He took that personally. He was not happy. And it's not going to matter any poor play calling or any poor team play. I think Burrow's going to play with his heart in Texas. And he is going to just – it's not going to matter that Dallas is going to have decent defensive pressure. He's just going to tear this defense apart. Yeah, I think it'll be a blowout. Honestly. Yeah, and I think Jamar Chase is also going to dominate Trayvon Diggs because I like Trayvon Diggs, but Jamar Chase is just better. So since he wins, they win comfortably. It's a blowout. Should be domination. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas didn't score a point at all. I want to predict that, but I probably I think it's a little bit safer to say they just at least scored seven or less. Give me the Bengals. Now, our only other matchup on this card that is uh, two teams that come into this game losing. However, it's a pretty, pretty fun matchup. So it is going to be the Arizona Cardinals coming up against the Las Vegas Raiders at Allegiant Stadium. I have the Raiders winning this game. I think the Cardinals looked pretty bad against uh, Kansas City last week. And you know the Raiders did not look great against the Chargers, although Devontae Adams had a fantastic game. Um, I would say he's going to keep keep doing what he's been doing with Green Bay. He's just doing it in Vegas now. Um, Derek Carr had a weird game. Derek Carr normally does not throw that many picks in a game. He normally does not perform that badly. He said he had some really off throws. Mm -hmm. But if I'm correct, Derek Carr did not play at all in the preseason. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the Charger or sorry, the Raiders flukes from week one were because of two reasons. One, not playing your starters in the preseason. And two, you're playing the Chargers, who are one of the best teams in the league. So... I think the Raiders should, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think it'll be a comfortable win. Um, I don't think it'll be a super close game. I think Arizona did not look good. They still are missing DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler Murray didn't have a great game. I mean, it wasn't like bad, but it wasn't great. You know, James Conner did all right. Their defense was awful against Kansas City. 
And then now you're coming up with your terrible defense for Kansas City and you're coming up against Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. I mean, I think the Raiders offense is going to be unstoppable in this game. I think they're going to go off. I think, you know, if you've got them in fantasy, start them. You know, I really think, I think it'll be a somewhat high scoring game, at least on the Raiders side. I could see maybe like a two, probably a two score lead win for the Raiders. But I mean, assuming last week was a fluke for the Raiders, which I mean, I had the Chargers winning that game anyway, you know, but Mm. I mean, Derek Carr's performance, I would at least call a fluke, just given the reasons I mentioned. I think the Raiders should not blow out win this game, but comfortably win this game. Well, I would say to be fair, a 14 point win is a blowout. Okay, I'm th- when I when I'm saying blowout, I'm thinking like by like 20 or more or by like 30. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I get okay, maybe maybe it'll be a blowout win. But what? like really little blowout, you know. I'm saying like I think like 10 to 14 point win. What I'll say is this. 14 probably. Uh first of all, three games in a row that we are all on the same page. We all went Raiders here. Um what I'll say is is I would more than willing. Uh, I would be more than willing to bet the over this week. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'd be more than willing because both these sides' defense did not look great. I know Vegas does have a great defense. This Arizona slightly surprised me, but also I expected Casey to come out hot. Um, but for the Raiders here, uh, I, again, I think it'll be a pretty back and forth game. I do have Raiders definitely coming covering that five and a half spread uh, that I noticed. Um, but with that in mind, uh, I just think the Raiders have too many weapons for the Cardinals to be able to deal with. So no matter how well Kyler Murray plays, no matter how well that offense kind of is put together, their defense is just not going to be able to stop a, a, a team with this type of weaponry, particularly when you're coming up against a team with good weapons, uh, in Kansas city. I like Juju. I, I like Sky Moore a lot. Um, you got, you know, other guys there as well, like uh, Nicole Hardman and uh, Marcus Ada Scantling, all good talents. And of course, you can't forget Travis uh, Travis Kelsey. But I would say that the Raiders in the passing game uh, certainly have a, a, a better uh, arsenal when you have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. So I just think that that is going to be too much to have to deal with. And I think no matter Kyler's best attempt, it's going to be loss number two. For the Cardinals, which feels like it's going to be bringing closer and closer to uh, my prediction during our uh, discussion, uh, you know, prior to the NFL season starting, and you agreed with, which is the fact that Kingsbury is not going to get that hot start. He's going to continue to be cold in the second half of the season, and he will get the paint. Um, yeah, and by the way, the over under is I just looked it up. It's fifty one and a half points. I would absolutely I would take that. The over. I take that. Yep, yep. 100% take um, over there. I also see the spread again for Baltimore. Miami's uh, three and a half in favor of Baltimore. So maybe I wouldn't take the spread to be safe. Yeah, I don't know. I, spread spread bets to me are sometimes a little here or there. But definitely not the uh, 1-0 to 0-1 that we would have expected coming into this game. But the 1-0 Chicago Bears take a trip to Lambeau to play the 0-1 Green Bay Packers. The Packers going to be able to find their way or Chicago going to continue to shock the world. I mean, this was a hard one just because Green Bay looked bad in week one 
and you know Chicago you know didn't I mean they looked good in week one but I think you do have to look at I mean look what happened to Green Bay last year in week one right they lose 38 to three and then they come back the next week so for me if anything I'm I'm picking Green Bay because it's the safer option um I do think Green Bay is more talented than Chicago but I do think if there is an upset this week it's Chicago over Green Bay but that does not mean I'm picking Chicago in this game I'm still going with the Packers they're the safe option here I mean it makes sense for the Packers to beat Chicago Aaron Rodgers as he said last year he owns the Bears yeah I mean you you mentioned the exact point I was going to make with uh, the Saints game and on top of that uh, I feel like any game at Lambeau against an NFC North uh, team you can just chalk up for an automatic win for Green Bay um, in recent years. Uh, so I'm definitely going Green Bay in this game. Uh, San Francisco was uh, not impressive, to say the least. That was actually a team I forgot to mention with the playoffs um, because, I mean, I, I did say that Trey Lance was going to start cold, uh, and I haven't been high on Trey Lance, but, yeesh. I mean, against Chicago? Come on, man, really? So... I don't know. I mean, maybe Chicago's a little bit better than we expected. Maybe San Fran is decent, and maybe it's a little scary. But Justin Fields only threw the ball for 17, uh, 17 times last week. That's big, man. That's actually really, really big to me. Justin Fields didn't have to do much work to be able to succeed against San Fran. With your team relatively being weak, it being Sunday night football at Lambeau, you're going to have to work. And I think that's going to have Justin Fields trip up a lot. I do not think he's going to have a good game. I don't think that offense is going to have a good game. And though you may originally think that this game could be close, I genuinely think that Green Bay will have a blowout here at Sunday Night Football. It's not going to be entertaining. Uh, Or at the very least, it will be entertaining for neutrals. For Packers fans, they will probably love it. Uh, I do think the Packers are going to come out on top and certainly establish that run game and establish Romeo Dobbs as the number one receiver. I've been feeling it as well as the media anoint anoint him as the number one receiver. The last game and another game that I would put in contention for my matchup of the week, two teams that won uh, this prior week, uh, both winning against NFC North teams, the Philadelphia Eagles in the primetime Monday night game are going to be taking on the Minnesota Vikings. And with that in mind, who is going to leave this game 2-0? Man, this is one of my matchups of the week. Um, I have a couple matchups of the week. I'm not going to lie. Vikings-Eagles is one of them. I actually think Rams-Falcons. I'm kind of excited to see that, just looking at how bad the Rams did and how solid the Falcons looked. I mean, I think the Rams are going to kill them, but Buccaneers-Saints is one of my matchups of the week. Patriots-Steelers. But man, this Vikings-Eagles game is going to be good. Um, Both teams looked extremely strong in week one, but You've heard me talk about the Vikings this year. You know how high I am on the Vikings. I've got Minnesota coming out with the win here. And a big reason is that strong offense and just how unstoppable Justin Jefferson has been. You know, if the Lions can put up 35 points against Philadelphia, how many can Minnesota put up? Um, Looking at the over-under on this game, it's 50. I would bet the over. Um, especially after that Philadelphia-Detroit matchup last week. But I I think where it gets to me is just, I mean, 
you allow 35 points to Detroit. Minnesota has one of the best offenses, in my opinion, in the NFL with Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne. It's a great, um, Kirk Cousins, even great offense. Defense has been definitely solid, could be better, but solid. They certainly held up against Green Bay. Um, and you look at Philly, and my big thing with Philly is Jalen Hurts, he's not good at throwing the ball. He's fine at running it. He's not great at throwing it. I think this is going to be a really fun game to watch. It's going to be an exciting game. It's going to be an offensive game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. You know, perfect for Monday Night Football, right? But I think Minnesota comes out with the win here. And you and Bradley went the same way. I'm actually taking the opposite angle of the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I, I've said this for a bit, and I'm sticking to my guns. I'm high on the Eagles. I'm not high on the Vikings. Um, the Vikings have the offensive weapons, but I'm just concerned with their defense in the long run. And with Philadelphia, I think they have a very well-rounded team, surprisingly one of the more well-rounded teams in football. And I think to kind of add to that, um, something that I don't think they're going to get much of is pressure because Philadelphia has one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And with a relatively weak secondary, you're coming up against a team with an established top two receivers of A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. Uh, oh, and by the way, Devonta Smith, someone who didn't have a single catch last week, expect him to be getting some catches on Monday night. Um, Philadelphia is, uh, I, I think, in a little bit of a mismatch offense defense. I think their defense will be able to give Minnesota a little bit of struggles, particularly when you have Darius Slay and James Bradbury. And I think they even drafted a corner as well. Uh, I'm forgetting. I'd have to look at it. Um, but when you have Bradbury and uh, Darius Slay as a corner duo, that's one of the best in the NFL. They're going to cause problems for Jefferson and Thielen. And on top of that, I think that Philadelphia's defense as a whole is going to cause trouble for Minnesota's offense, uh, draw a couple of maybe a mistake turnovers uh, and a little bit of a Monday night scenario where you might be feel a little bit pressured. Uh, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a fun game. But I do have Philadelphia coming out on top, uh, getting a big Monday night football win, kind of adding to that statement of being able to hang on to a win and then beating another team that actually looks good in week one in the Vikings. So with all that in mind, I want to, uh, to thank Bradley again for hopping on with us. It was a pleasure to have him on. Of course, Abby, it was a pleasure as always to have you on here. Um, really good week here for picks. We have, uh, unless I am missing one, four picks again, where we are uh, at a little bit of a stand, uh, a standoff. Uh, you picked Purdue. I picked Syracuse. You picked Washington. I picked Michigan State. You picked Jacksonville. I, I'm praying for Indy. And you picked Minnesota. And I picked Philadelphia. So those are the four games for, uh, for everyone to be able to look out for uh, in this fixed competition. Uh, it's going to be very, very exciting to see what, this hap uh, what happens here. And it's going to be a fun weekend of football. Very, very excited for it. Uh, but with that being said, I want to thank you all so very much for listening to another episode of the 33 Four Sports Podcast. It's been Colby and Bertram and Abigail Nielsen. And joined alongside by our uh, lovely guest here for this episode, uh, Bradley Winterling. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.